Crosspoint family, welcome. So pleased to be here. Thank you for, for joining us this morning. If you're here in person, of course, welcome. And if you are joining us online, you are just as welcome. And we're glad to have you with us. We hope that you're blessed by having been here. Um, you know, it's not uh, every day that we get to join a group of people and sing praises to the Lord and sing of his worthiness and talk about his power in our lives and our trust in him. And so that's how we impart how we worship the Lord. We recognize him as who he is and what he's done and what he's promised to do. So I want to welcome everyone. And there's a lot of things going on today, a lot of announcements that I want to make uh, known to you. And obviously, as you see, our, our new baptistry here. Um, we hope to have baptisms at the end of this service. So I'll mention now, I know there's two people that are scheduled to be baptized. The reality is if you read scripture, there isn't a scheduling needed to be baptized. Uh, we believe that a person who understands the gospel, who has received and accepted the gospel, that has understood that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, took your place at the cross at Calvary some 2,000 years ago to bear your sin and to, to offer his life as a payment, as a ransom for your soul. When, and, and really, you can hear that a thousand times, but it's not until the Holy Spirit quickens you or opens your understanding and allows you to receive that message that maybe at one time, like the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, and maybe at one time that message of the cross was foolishness to you. Maybe you were one of those people that ridiculed Christians, that thought, oh, I would never be one of those people. And then here you are. And so you see a transformation. You see that God has done a number on you through the power of his word, through the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to that realization that God has done a saving work in our lives, that he has transformed us, that we are no longer who we used to be, then we publicly declare that fact. That it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That we are now new creatures in Christ. And the symbolism of baptism, of baptism is that we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't believe that there's anything special in that water. But it's special because Jesus said, go out into all nations, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when you read scriptures, the, the, the early church, you know, being baptized was synonymous with being saved. If you knew you were saved, you were baptized. You followed the Lord's instructions. You were obedient in that. And you publicly declared your faith and commitment to Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have two people that are doing that today. And the invitation is always open. It's not an invitation that I make. It's an invitation that God makes. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. The invitation to come to Christ is always open. All right? So last 10 minutes of our service, we are going to have those of you who will be baptized kind of go to the back. Keith will be back there kind of directing you, but you're going to change into your baptism clothes. We could always baptize you whatever you're wearing. That's fine. Just remove your telephone, and, uh, and that's about it, and you're ready to roll. So we're excited to do that. So the last 10 minutes, we'll, we'll uh, go ahead and, and have baptisms. But two people are scheduled. But if the Holy Spirit leads you, if maybe you've been putting it off and you feel like, hey, today's the day, just go ahead and uh, go to the back there and talk to Keith. Let him know, and we'll get you all set up. All right? I'm excited. Very exciting. You know, that's what we are ultimately are all about here at Crosspoint, about making disciples, about being obedient to the Lord, being able to worship Him, but at the same time teach His Word to those whom He's called. You're not here by accident. Uh, it doesn't matter if you didn't even want to come this morning. You're not here by accident. You're here because God has you here at this very moment to hear the truths that are found in Scripture. And so our prayer as leadership is that God would send people that need to hear the gospel, that want to hear the gospel, that God has called to, to a, a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're, when I say that I'm happy that you're here, I really mean it. I don't just say that. I'm excited that you're here. I'm happy to see you. If you're here for the first time, we're especially excited to have you. 
Um, we hope that you continue to come, and we hope that you're blessed by having been here. So that's all about baptisms. I also want to mention, uh, let's see, really quick, that there's no young adults ministry today because we meet every other week. We met last week. We won't be meeting today. Lord willing, we'll meet next Sunday evening here at church. That's for anybody 18 and over and under 30-something. Uh, growth groups. Uh, Sign-ups are ready to roll. I was able to sign up this morning. I want to thank Sarah Brummel for all her work. You know, she hasn't been with us physically for, for a while now, but she continues to help, and we're grateful for that. Uh, so you're able to go online, crosspointchristianchurch.com, and then find the growth groups tab and follow that. And it's really easy to sign up to a growth group. Uh, we'll have more information on, on the groups this month. Is your month to sign up? And then September, uh, we hit the ground running with our trimester three for 2022. So all the information is, is online. In order for us to, I know you, you hear from me about growth groups and I try to encourage you, but I think it's even more efficient if you hear from somebody who the Lord is using uh, growth groups to, to grow them. And so Angel and Sarah, where are you guys? You guys like disappeared on me. Oh, there you guys are. You are right there. So I'm going to have them come up here and they're just going to give a short word of testimony about their experience here. I'm excited to have them come up here because they haven't been in our church for a long time and yet... The time that they have been here, they've been very productive. They've been very uh, engaged and all in our, in our congregation. I know some of you may not know them, and so I'm excited to have them introduce themselves to you and talk to you a little bit about growth groups. Come on down. Good morning. Uh, so my name is Sarah Martinez. Um, like the pastor said, uh, we've been coming to Cross Point for a few months now. Um, I was reflecting this morning, actually, right here when I got here, the, the journey that got us here. And I love it when God puts it in a way where sometimes it's, it's his plan and, and it's hard for the human mind to comprehend because the way he brought us here, I mean, you would have never imagined. And I'm just blessed that um, regardless of what has happened in, in our journey, um, God did bring us here, and like the pastor said, it's not by, mis you know, by accident. Uh, it was for a reason, and um, I'm just grateful that my husband was able to, you know, find this church because we were looking for a home church, and, um, you know, as soon as we got here, it, I mean, I had no doubt in my mind and that this was going to be our family, and um, to take that extra step to go into the growth groups, you know. Um, I'm more of the, okay, let me sit back and observe. My husband is like, hey, guys, I'm here, you know, here's my number, call me. And, you know, he's more like that, as a lot of you guys know. Um, but uh, as soon as I get out of my shell, you know, I, you know, I just want to say that I feel like I've gained brothers and sisters. Um, I have and really approached um, a relationship like that. And my husband has always told me how important it is. And to be a part of these growth groups um, has taught me that, you know, I do need to put myself out there because we all need each other. And um, these growth groups shows us um, how we're all so similar, how we all have busy lives, how we all are dealing with something in our lives. And that's why we need each other. You know, we really, really need each other. and. Um, uh, that's one big thing that I've learned with the growth groups is that, um, you know, we do need to um, hold each other accountable. You know, if we don't see each other, then, you know, hey, you know, what happened? And, you know, we just got to have that um, approach with each other because we don't know what we might be going through. And it's going to help each other, you know, to be there as brothers and sisters that we are. And, and that's how I feel with the group that we were just in is that I did gain that. So I thank God for that, and um, I'm looking forward to our new growth group because since we got kicked out of the first one, you know, I kept telling the pastor, no, we're staying here, but uh, no, I get it. We need to um, meet other, you know, uh, members because we are family here, and that's how I feel, and, and I'm just thankful for God for the journey that brought us here, and um uh, you know, if you receive a, a text from my husband or I, it's just because we want to put ourselves out there and, and, and let you know that we love you and that we're here for you. And 
uh, we want to grow together. And uh, we're all going through something. I know that we have busy lives, but God has given us time for everything. And we got to make time for, for everything that he's putting here for us to do. So um, I can go on and on and on. So I'll uh, let my husband take over now. Sorry, guys. So, uh, yeah, my name is Angel Martinez and my wife, Sarah. Uh, I started coming here first. I was the one that the Holy Spirit put in my heart to check this church out, research the messages, uh, did a background check on the pastor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, it, came back, uh, it came back okay, but uh, I knew that turning away from my old life, from the old things, I need to be solid with people, with the body of Christ together. Um, there's no way I would, I, I told my wife, we're gonna survive in this world with what we see, what we hear, friends and family that don't really follow the Lord. They're gonna probably just bring us back. We're gonna get, you know, tempted. So I knew I needed to put myself out there. So we joined two growth groups with Tony and uh, Pastor Mike, and it was like, this new life just came out of me, like knowing the fact that I have more Christian friends now on my contact list, I can reach out, I can text. I text with more Christians now than I've ever had before because of growth groups. So I met people, building relationships, getting the word. It's like a safe zone for my soul, knowing that it's God in the middle. So I just appreciate the growth groups, Pastor. I encourage it. And we're on this journey all together from now until the Lord comes back or calls us home. And uh, yeah, guys, just, uh, it, it changes your life, like drastically. So I encourage you guys. Thank you, Pastor. Okay. That's Angel and Sarah. Sarah's the quiet one. Hmm. <laughs> now we know, we gotta put a microphone in front of her and show, let it go. Uh, so grateful that, um, they're part of our church. They've been a blessing, a true encouragement to me, just seeing them getting involved. You know, they're looking for spiritual steroids, so they ended up adding two, two they, they signed up for two growth groups, and they've been on fire. I'm grateful to have them, grateful to the Lord that they brought them, and that's what we want for everybody. You know, as you come in and you believe this is your church, join a growth group. It's so important. Um, try it. Maybe try it. Trimester three is coming up in September. We meet once a week. Uh, there will be different options, one of them, including one online, a couple of them on Sundays, and then the rest during the week in person. All right. <clears throat> There's a couple of things that I want to uh, make mention here. Our dear brother and sister, Shirley and Arnold Fox, don't, don't look because they, they, they might get embarrassed, but they're sitting on that side. I'm just kidding. They don't get embarrassed. They're a great couple. And I understand you guys are celebrating not 25 or 50 or even 60 years of marriage, but 69. Is that true? 69. 69. Um, you're both a blessing to us, to our congregation, truly. Everybody that knows you is blessed by knowing you. Your encouraging words, uh, I, I truly appreciate as a pastor, as a, as a preacher. Um, you're never short on compliments, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, knowing your history a little bit of how much you have served, how long you've been at church and been faithful to each other and to the Lord and to even this congregation is exemplary. We thank you. We thank the Lord for you. So um, just, just know we, we love you. We appreciate you both. All right. Um, and if anybody can beat 69 years, come see me. We'll also recognize you. Anybody more than 69 years married? No. All right. Well, that is amazing. What a blessing. I also want to acknowledge the fact that many of you youngsters are going back to school. Sorry to bring that up. You're like, ah, oh, what should bring that up for? Uh, but you're going back to school, and um, I noticed that my mentor who is a pastor in Pico Rivera, has, uh, they're doing something special for going back to school. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. So we'll have a prayer. During our prayer time, we're going to make mention of you because we think it's important as you go, especially if you're going to a public school, I would love for you to realize what an important person you are 
in the midst of a public school environment, all right? And I would love for our attitude to be, rather than, you know, I don't want to go there or I don't have many other Christian friends, I, 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 I'm sure that there are other Christians around you. Many times we don't know who they are, but don't be ashamed of your faith. Look for other Christians. Maybe if there's a Bible club or a Christian club, join that. Uh, make some noise. Let your light shine even in, uh, in your school, wherever you are. So we hope that you do well, that you excel, that you're an example to other people, uh, and that you enjoy your time in school. All right, maybe look at it that way. It's a, it's a spiritual battle, and even in your school, you can turn that into a place and an occasion for you to honor and glorify God. So we'll, we'll include that in our prayer as well. Okay, if you did not, if you walked in and you didn't grab a cup to take communion, go ahead and raise your hand. We're going to have Keith run around in circles right here a couple of times. And uh, thank you, Keith. Appreciate you. Uh, just keep your hand up if you want to take communion with us. And also, if you walked in and you didn't get a sermon notes outline for you to follow along and write some notes or maybe just kind of save that and use it for later, uh, I made enough copies for everybody. We would love for you to kind of take the time to take that, that worksheet and really invest some time into that. So if, if I go through the, sometimes I go through the uh, verses really fast on the screen and I see some of you taking notes, but really when we come to experience God here, we, we want to put some effort into being engaged in the message. And so these worksheets are meant for you to take home and follow along, fill in uh, some of the uh, words that I left blank there for you to kind of follow along and fill in, and then look at the verses. You'll have them on the paper. So if you, if you need one of those, it looks like this. If you need one of these, just a simple worksheet, go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll pass those out too. Or on your way out, make sure you grab one so you have the outline of this morning's message. That would be great. I want to share with you um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. 2 Timothy chapter 1, listen to this, verses 8 through 10. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And then he describes something about God. He says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is amazing. It talks about God the Father. Because of his love, he saved us. Before time even began, I will not attempt to explain that right now. And then he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and the work through the gospel. And he says, our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death or rendered death incapable of doing what it was meant to do. It has disarmed death. He says he has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You know who Christians are? They are immortal beings. And the truth is that the Bible explains that every human being is an immortal being. We are created in God's image. And so the Bible explains that we will live forever. We will exist forever. Right now in this physical life, we all realize it's temporary. But once this life is over, we will spend eternity either in heaven with God or in hell separated from him. But through Christ, he has abolished death and brought, to, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that's what we do here. We preach the gospel. We teach the gospel. We rejoice and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and one of the ways we actually do that is by taking communion together, right? So as you peel the first layer here, first plastic, and you take the bread... We are proclaiming Jesus' death on the cross. And this bread symbolizes the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that hung on that cross on our behalf. So let's take that together. 
As you peel back the second layer, it reveals the juice that represents the blood, the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on our behalf, the very payment, his life for ours, for the forgiveness of sins. We remember that and we proclaim it. Let's take that together. If you can, if you would, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing a hymn, Standing on the Promises. This hymn was written back in 1886. As many of these hymns that we're singing a cappella were, were written uh, sometimes hundreds of years ago. So this one was written in 1886. It's entitled Standing on the Promises. We're going re- to sing a couple of stanzas and the chorus twice. Very well-known uh, him. So let's sing that together and then we'll pray. Let's take a look at that. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for allowing us the opportunity to be here as your family, praising you, proclaiming these truths of your love and grace towards us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did for us at the cross. We are so undeserving, and yet you are willing to take our place there. And Holy Spirit, we thank you because we realize that it's only because of you and through you that we're able to understand and believe and accept these truths. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters. Father, as we are gathered here, we pray that you would continue to teach us, that you would continue to convict us and transform us in a way that will bring honor and glory to your holy name. We thank you for Shirley and Arnold Fox, that you've given them an opportunity to celebrate 69 years together in marriage. What a blessing and what an awesome, encouraging example to the rest of us. We're blessed as a congregation to have them. We thank you for them. And we also thank you and pray for all the young people in our church that are returning back to school. We ask that you would protect them, that you will bless them, and that you would use them for your honor and glory. We pray all this in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may have a seat. All right, so this morning we're going to continue. We're going to continue with our messages based out of Luke chapter 8. And today we hope to finish Luke chapter 8. Um, The last couple of weeks, as I mentioned to you, towards the end of chapter 8 of Luke, Luke is is writing these stories, and they are letting us know that Jesus Christ our Lord is Lord over nature, as we saw when he rebukes the wind and the storm and the waves. He's Lord over the demonic realm when he meets this man who was demon-possessed with many demons, and he is able to heal that man and then tells him to go and tell everybody what he's done for him. So he's Lord over nature. He's Lord over the demonic realm. And in this, in this portion, there's actually going to be two stories that we're going to read. And they kind of overlap a little bit. So we're going to take them both as one section. And we're going to see Jesus' lordship over disease and death. So, I mean, part of why we come to church is to, to understand who Jesus is. What does the Bible say about the Lord Jesus Christ? And think about it, from today in the last two weeks, if you pay attention and you study and you really embrace what we're talking about, we are being told through Scripture that Jesus, God in the flesh, 
is Lord over the demonic realm, over nature, over disease, and over death. What that does to us is that it gives us an understanding and a knowledge of who Jesus is, who it is that we proclaim as Lord of our lives. And so, best thing we can all do is to be exposed to the Word of God. And that's what we're doing here this morning. So, that's what I hope to be able to do. If you have your notes and you want to follow along or save that for later, that's fine. The title of this morning's sermon is, It's Not Over Yet. It's Not Over Yet. And um, we're going to read Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 56. The main point is this. I'm going to go fast is that God is glorified as His children never lose hope in Him. As Christians, we have no need to ever lose hope in any situation of our lives. And so I know I'm speaking to the fact that all of us, like Sarah mentioned, all of us go through difficulties. Boy, at work, with our finances, with our health, in our relationships, with our parents, with our siblings, with our kids. Nobody has a perfect life. If, if you do, then great, good for you. For the rest of us, we struggle with things, and some of us go through very difficult things at times. We either have been, we're going through them, or we will be going through them. And to know that through the knowledge of Scripture, we can confidently say that it's not over yet. No aspect of your life is over yet. I love that. So I hope that you're encouraged by this morning's message So God is glorified as His children never lose hope in Him in any circumstance. Um, So we're going to read Luke 8, 41 through 56. I mentioned already the last couple of uh, messages. You know, these stories are amazing. We should be in awe of our Lord and the fact that with the power of His Word, He can calm a storm. With the power of His Word, He can cast out demons. And with the power of his word, as we're going to see, he can heal and even bring people back to life. We should be astonished by that. And also know that we don't just come to hear stories. I'm not a a history teacher as, as I stand here. I mean, we look at this historical facts and stories, but then we look at how does that apply to me? I mean, the fact that Jesus calmed the storm with the power of his word, what's... You know, that's, that's amazing. And had we been there on that boat, it would have been awesome. But you know what's more, I believe, important for me personally in a selfish way, more important to me than Jesus calming the storm when he was on that boat with his disciples is that he has the power to calm the storm in me. When the Bible says that he will give us peace, the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, That's talking about the storms in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, that he's able to come and calm those. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. So let's get right to it, because I do have five points, okay? And we do have baptisms. And um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read Luke 8, 41 through 56, and then we're going to fill in this phrase. Christians need not lose hope. And then I have five points that I want to share with you. And, and actually, what we'll do is, we're not going to read the whole section. Yeah, I'll read the whole section first. Let's read the story first. <clears throat> Here it is. Eight, chapter 8, starting verse 41. It says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians, could not be healed by any. She came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Immediately. 
And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, some came from the rulers of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered and said, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called her, saying, Little girl, arise. When her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them not to tell anyone what had happened. Isn't that amazing? So two stories. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, outstanding Jewish leader, comes to the Lord and begs, humbles himself and begs this teacher who by many was being rejected. The ruler of the synagogue comes, humbles himself, himself and begs. Why? Because his 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter, was dying. And then this woman who had a flow of blood that made her ceremonially unclean, unable to do a lot of things as a Jewish woman, no doubt outcast because of that. After 12 years of spending all her money on local doctors, no one was able to help him. And she goes up to the Lord from behind while everybody's just pressing on him and thinking in her mind, if I can just touch the edge of his garment, I will be made well. And we see two stories, but we see one hero, the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his word and his compassion. So I love this section. I get emotional thinking about this and preaching on this. So let me go through the outline that we have here. We want to talk about the fact that it's not over yet. Never is it over. It's not over yet. And Christians need not lose hope. Why? Or Christians need not lose hope. Point number one, let's get right to it. Even in the toughest of circumstances. Now here's this man, ruler of the synagogue, religious individual, I would imagine a very sincere man of integrity, wanting to serve God. And yet his one daughter at 12 years old is sick and is dying. And how often and how easy we can get this attitude of, but Lord, look at everything that I do for you. Why are you allowing this? And the enemy in our flesh combat that and try to get a hold of us. But Christians need not lose hope even in the toughest of circumstances. For this man, as you know, if you're a parent, um, you could I, somewhat identify. Losing a child is probably one of the toughest things that can happen. And I know that some of us here have experienced that, and I'm sorry. But you have to think about this. These are actual people and this ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, has his one 12-year-old daughter sick at home, and he's willing to do anything and everything. No shame. Comes to the Lord and begs him, please come to my house and heal my daughter. But as Christians, we need not lose hope, even in the toughest of circumstances. You know, for this woman, it was a very big deal to have a flow of blood for 12 years. And, you know, in your, in your handout, I have a question here for you. It says, what would you say are some tough circumstances in your life, and how is your faith in those? I, I really want to promote these, because these are great discussion questions, and if not for discussion, at least for you to meditate and really analyze your life, because we all have tough circumstances. Some of us tougher than, tougher than others, and that's why we need each other. 
So even in the toughest of circumstances, Christians need not lose hope. Let me share a couple of verses. I already mentioned Luke 8.42. says, uh, for he had a, an only daughter, about 12 years old of age, and she was dying. Not many tougher things than that for, for human beings and parents. But Job 13.15. Job, if you know the story, lost everything. I mean, incredibly went through some amazing hardship and he says in Job 13, 15, he says, Though he, though God slay me, yet I will trust in him. Even if God decides he wants to slay me, I will still trust in him. Even in the toughest of circumstances. And Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. As Christians, we can go through the toughest of circumstances and maintain our trust in him. So Christians need not lose hope even in the toughest of circumstances. Point number two, Christians need not lose hope even after you've done everything humanly possible. Here's this woman with this flow of blood and says that she spent all her money. Think about it. She spent all of her money in doctors and nobody was able to help her. The things that she must have gone through in a human attempt to fix her condition, and it availed nothing. And for us, I think if we pay attention, we, some of us work really hard at certain things. You know, I'm trying really hard to forgive this person. I'm trying really hard to forget this thing. And I'm trying really hard to get ahead in life with my job and my three jobs. And, my, and I'm trying really hard to stay fit and eat really healthy and not eat whatever. What I'm saying is that we all have circumstances in which we put our human effort into, and sometimes we see no results, but even when you've tried your hardest and everything that is humanly possible, and it doesn't work out the way you wanted, you still need not lose hope. In Luke 8, 43, it says that a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any what a, what a tragic circumstance. 12, 12 years is a long time. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, the Lord says, Come to me, all you who labor, all you who work hard and, and, and are heavy laden, are bogged down. He says, Come to me, and I will give you rest. He says, Are you tired of trying? Are you tired of working? Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest for your souls. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, and he said to me, this is the Apostle Paul when he talks about having a thorn in the flesh, having a thorn in the flesh and saying, Lord, heal me. And, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities than in the power, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Christians need not lose hope even after you've done everything humanly possible. I see the time flying by, so I'm going to ask the people that are wanting to get baptized if you will go to the back and start getting ready. You do that, and then you'll come back, and I'll see you. As soon as we're done, we'll get you up here, all right? So point number three, Christians need not lose hope because God has unlimited power, and we see that. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's going about his business. He's got this crowd around him. They're pushing him back and forth. Everybody wants to get a little piece of him. And here's this woman who has the faith to believe that even though she's done everything humanly possible and nobody's been able to heal her, she, she feels, she believes that if she could only sneak up behind the Lord and touch the edge of his garment, that she would be healed. And the Lord says, and that in fact is what happens, and the Lord says, woman, relax, your faith has made you well. She understood that Jesus had this unlimited power that when nobody else could help her, just touching the edge of his garment will be enough to heal him. The faith, it's amazing. I'll share some verses with you. Uh, I'll skip the first one. I'll go to Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, the Lord says, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
I mean, the, the imagery comes to if you're a parent or if you have a nephew, a little one, you know, they can barely start walking, and, and they seem to be fearless. They don't understand what's going on, but if you're holding their hand and they're walking, they, they feel like they can do anything and everything. They, they'll jump into the street. They'll, they'll attack a dog. They, they, don't, they don't care. And here's the Lord saying, I'm, your, I'm the Lord. I'm your God. I will help you. I will sustain you. I will keep you. That's amazing. God takes the glory. I'll share one more verse with you. Second Chronicles 20, verse 6, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, you are, <clears throat> are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? These people understood who God was. And they recognized him and said, aren't you God? Like, don't we understand that he has power and might and no one can withstand you? It's amazing. Christians need not lose hope. Point number four, even when everyone else seems to have lost hope. Sometimes in your life you're going to be, you know, hoping in the Lord and everybody's going to be like, no, you know, why are you still hoping for? Like, we already gave up on the Lord a long time ago. And sometimes you might feel lonely in your faith, in your Christian walk. And that was the case when the Lord comes to uh, Jairus' home. You know, they come to Jairus and says, Jairus, don't bother the teacher. Your daughter's already dead. And the Lord turns to him and says, like, don't worry. Just believe and everything's going to be all right. I love that. He goes to Jairus' house and everybody's weeping. They know that the girl is dead. And he says, don't weep. She's asleep. She's going to be all right. And it says that they ridicule him. Everybody gave up hope. Nobody's thinking the Lord's going to come. He's too late. She's already dead. But guess what? It's not over yet. It's not over yet. The Lord, with the power of his word, just tells the little girl, arise, and she rises. 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, it says, At my first defense, Paul says, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all Gentiles might hear. The Apostle Paul, when he was in prison, towards the end of his life, he says, everybody forsook me. Everybody went out looking out for their own interest and left me alone. But he says, but, but not alone because Christ was with me. Sometimes you're going to feel lonely in your walk, especially if you're not in a growth group, especially if you're not engaged and you don't have friendships here at church. But know that the Lord is always with you. And even when it seems that everybody else has lost hope, you as a child of God need not lose hope because it's not over yet. Point number five, Christians need not lose hope because God does what he pleases and he's compassionate. Beloved, our God does whatever he wants. He doesn't have to ask permission from anybody. He doesn't have to give an account to anyone. But everything he does, he does out of compassion and love. In, his, in accordance with his perfect nature, and he's compassionate, he's loving, and he's gracious. And because of that, it doesn't matter what you're going through. And I'm talking about your marriage, I'm talking about your work, I'm talking about your finances, I'm talking about your health. I'm talking about every one of your relationships that is faulty. It's not over yet because God can do anything. The songs that we sang today, he turns bones into armies. Did you know that? He turns ashes into gardens and beauty. That's the God that we believe in. That is the God of the Bible, and that is why it's never over. It's not over yet. I'll share with you a couple of verses. God does whatever he pleases, and he's compassionate. We see how he raises the, the, the little girl, how he allows this woman to be healed. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. God does whatever he pleases and he's compassionate. And then Hebrews 11.6, it says that without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's hard at times to trust in the Lord, especially when we go through difficult times. But keep in mind, read this portion again. This woman who had spent all her money going, going through all these doctors and had zero results. And this man who had one daughter 
who was sick and dying and in fact dies. They could have lost hope so easily. But the Lord says, don't worry, just believe. He tells Martha, believe and you will see the glory of God. For us to believe and to trust and we will see ourselves transformed. And the greatest miracle, beloved, has to be, you have to understand that you and I were dead in our sins and trespasses. In this world without hope, and yet he gives us life when we were in that very condition. He loved us while we were yet sinners, and he saves us because he does what he pleases, and he's compassionate. And so just like the story here of this Little girl who died, Jairus' daughter, this woman with the flow of blood, whether it's this demon-possessed man or whether it's the disciples thinking they're going to die in this major storm, with God, it's not over yet. And I hope that that inspires you, that encourages you, that puts your perspective in a better place as to who God is. And beloved, you have to trust that no matter what, even the things that you think are dead and done and gone, God is able to restore, to transform, to save for his honor and his glory because he does what he wants and he's a compassionate God. I hope you're blessed by that. Um, we'll end the message there. I'm going to ask those that are being baptized to please come up to the front. Again, baptism is, is a declaration publicly of what Christ has done in our lives, that we are no longer the same people that we once were, that we have been raised together with Christ. We are new creations in Christ, that we've understood the gospel. We understand that, that in ourselves, by ourselves, through our human effort, we will never please God. We will never earn salvation or an entrance to heaven. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the only one who saves because of what he did in the cross for us, God grants us eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and a new start in our life. And that is symbolized by baptism. So, you may or you may not know who Gil and Esmeralda are, but I've had the pleasure of knowing them for a while. Gil's been part of our church for about a year, Esmeralda for a little bit longer than that. You should also know that they're getting married in two weeks. Isn't that awesome? We have some towels here, and this is the first time that we're having our baptisms here. So I think we're going to put this, you got it, Keith's got it. Um, so who wants to go first? You better go first, Gil. Yes, sir. I was going to say, he's like, ladies first. No, not this time. All right. It's, it's truly an honor for me, uh, not just to know Gil, but to know that God has brought Gil to our church. If you know him, you know his heart, his desire to know God, his desire to serve, and to know everybody. And if you talk to him for five minutes, you'll hear his testimony of, man, he's not the same person. And he never knew he could have this family, and he's, he's blessed by that. I know that. We've had many conversations, and so it's, it's such an honor to have you publicly declaring your faith, my brother. So let's have you step in there. I'm just going to ask you one simple question. I'm all in here. It's no going back now. Jacob, all right. Jacob, Didi, Isaiah, Gavin, all the kids that went to uh, the Grand Canyon, come up. Come up. I'm also going to mention that Gil, about a, man, what, month? 56 days. 56 days? Is that 56 days that, what? I found out I got leukemia. That he found out he has leukemia. Um, and I got to see him take on these news with an incredible courage, and I believe it's because of his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about faith and what we read here, it's happening here, it's happening now, and all glory goes to God. So, 
Mr. Gill, I'm going to ask you one question, then we're going to do this. I'm trying to find out how we're going to do this. We're going to go like this. We're going to make sure you go all the way in, all right? Okay, yeah, there you go. Just don't take me in with you. No funny business. All right, I'm going to ask you one question, and you may respond in the affirmative if that is the case. Gil, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal and only Lord and Savior? I have. Well, upon that confession of faith, my brother, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's take you all the way in. And let's take you out. Let's get you out of here. Try not to get anything wet, okay? <laughs> All right, Esmeralda, come on down. I know for Esmeralda, it's a special day to see her fiance slash. Husband, for those of you who have the inside scoop, really, right? Um, uh, to be able to get baptized together is, is a very special thing. So, I can't get her to leave my side. That's right, that's right. You're stuck now. You're stuck now. And you need to go 69 years at least, like uh, Shirley and Arnold. So, um, Esmeralda, same thing with you. Blessing to have you in our church, have you be part of our, our congregation, and same thing, same attitude of. Man, just uh, resilient and following the Lord and committed to, to following Him and serving Him in whatever capacity. It's been a blessing. It's really a true joy for me to have you guys be part of our church. So let me have your hand here, and then we'll turn you this way. And Esmeralda, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your only one and sufficient Savior? Yes, I have. All right. Upon that confession of faith, you want to put your feet forward? Like that, okay. Baptize you in the name of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pictures, if you can, make sure you come by and, and uh, congratulate them, get to know them. Um, let me dismiss this with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this wonderful day and the work that you continue to do here at Cross Point through your gospel, through your son Jesus and what he did for us at the cross. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to witness these baptisms. I pray for everyone who's part of this congregation. Father, transform us, teach us, guide us in a way that will bring honor and glory to your name. In every area of our lives that we struggle, Father, help us to realize that it's not over yet because you're a loving and compassionate and omnipotent God. We pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. You are dismissed, beloved. God bless you.